Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We have several shots fired. At Rob Elementary School in Valley, Texas. Ran into the school and just started shooting. The school has children that are in second, third, and fourth grade. There are multiple fatalities. The shooter is deceased. Was there a warning? But clearly we have a mental health crisis. Something has to be done. It's just very disheartening right now. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is uh, News and Views for a Wednesday, and uh, a somber day it is. Uh, you, you, you know what is in the news. Uh, 19 children, all in the same class, by the way. So he just went into one class and just started shooting up that class. I don't know if everyone in that class lost their lives. Two teachers, 19 children. Uh, all fourth grade students, and uh, your your heart breaks. The president, I, I, I honestly, when we we stayed up, I mean, he, they kept saying he was going to be on about eight thirty. It was closer to nine o'clock, I think, before he came on. I actually thought, okay, he was thirty seconds into it, and I thought maybe he is going to do well. Maybe as the president of the United States, he is going to be a consoler. He is going to be compassionate. He is going to try to um, soothe the hurt that uh, Uvati, Texas, was feeling, especially the parents, uh, but the whole nation for that matter. He couldn't do it. Mm-mm. Within 90 seconds, he immediately jumped on the gun lobby and jumped on people for not passing his bill. And b- beyond that, he started talking about himself. These narcissists are, are, and we saw Beto O'Rourke. We'll get to that in a little bit today. What a horse's ass he is. I'm sorry if you got to bleep it, bleep it. But the guy is a, as the mayor of Uvalde said, a sick son of a bitch. Yeah. And, and last night, to your point, Biden, uh, President Biden, <clears throat> I mean, I was, I was actually kind of into it and said, you know, thank goodness he's he's taking the high road and maybe this will kind of keep the madness down from others which it didn't and then like you said maybe a 45 seconds into it he goes into a prepared speech yep. i mean somebody wrote that for him that, that's what's so bad about it someone wrote that nonsense for him and then of course he added his outrage and all this and started pointing fingers at the gun lobby and republicans and things like that and it, I mean, it takes a sick SOB to do that just hours after families yeah. are struggling. Yeah. Oh, and he had an opportunity to, if he would have stayed the course and just you know really just talked solely about um, you know what what the families were obviously feeling and 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 the compassion and all that kind of stuff. It might have kept it some of it down today, but today it's oh, like they just it caught on fire. All the nutcases, yeah. Um, yeah. and they just it it's it's shameful. That's no other way to say it. Dana Loesch, who's got her own talk show, and I think she's what does she do with the NRA? She does. Uh, she was a spokesperson for the NRA at one point, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she made some great points today. She said, "Look, the gun lobby didn't." Had you know they were not the head of this guy's household, they didn't neglect to monitor his behavior. That somebody did. The gun lobby didn't neglect to secure the school. The gun lobby didn't leave any doors unlocked. The gun lobby didn't tell him to murder anyone. And uh, Governor Abbott today, I thought, made a great point. He because now 
all the Democrats, at least the ones that have no compassion and no basic common sense, you know, they're, they're immediately jumping on this less than 24, well, less than six hours after it happened, to, talking about, uh, you know, we need to ban assault rifles and we need more gun legislation. And Governor Abbott made a great point today. He said, look, Chicago, California, and New York have the most stringent gun laws of anywhere in the nation. And they are by far, especially Chicago, the most violent places to live in. I mean, we are heartbroken, as we should be, that these 19 children and these two teachers lost their lives. But look, within a period of two months, that's going to happen. With, with, by the end of the summer, that will happen probably two or three times worth in the city of Chicago. Now, I'm not saying they're all going to be children. But, I mean, yeah. every year in Chicago, it's, it's oh, we're going to set a new record? 600, 700, 800 people killed? Well, last night, I, I was just kind of curious. I did a little research on some FBI uh, numbers and some, and some data on what's called mass shootings and, and what people, what the, the, the left and the progressive call uh, school shootings are not necessarily school mass shootings of this nature. I mean, they include in there when, uh, and it's still bad when someone gets shot or killed at a school, but when you have a bunch of gangbangers that go to a school in Chicago or outside New York and shoot a rival gang member and that type, they, they consider that right. school shootings. But when you drill down in the numbers, and this and it's terrible, every single one of them are terrible, but these are pretty rare. Yeah, we've had two in the last couple of weeks. One was not a school, but you know it was a mass shooting. They are pretty rare, and when you look at them, I just I, I noticed the common thing. Almost every, all but maybe one or two in history. I mean, and this is coming from FBI data, were between the shooter was between the ages of twelve and twenty years old, hmm. and when they get up on their soapbox and talk about all these things that they should do differently, just like this guy, background checks. The guy don't have a background, zero. It came out right. today. There's no record on. Right. And. So the guns he bought and the ammunition he bought has happened within the last couple of weeks. Now, there's going probably be people disagree with me on this. Now, I, I'm I'm a gun person. I've been a I've been uh, I mean I just came up in a family of of a hunting and outdoor family and have been around guns since I was a kid. But um, I I could talk about uh, the age of which you should be able to buy a gun without some kind of parental or a, a second adult's consent because right. let's face it boys and girls but mainly boys your brain's not developed at 18 years right. old right and you know should you be able to buy any kind of weapon at 18 without some second person's consent well, I, I mean i, I don't know I don't and, know. and the whole question. idea of a second person i i now i have not heard whether this is true or not but i would i would give you great odds that there was no father in this household, that this 18-year-old did not have a dad in his life. I agree. And I read today he lived with his grandparents. Um, so, I mean, that tells me where's yeah. the other parents. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's really it's really sad that um, and I mean, we've got a serious mental health issue in we, this country. We sure. do have a serious mental health issue. And, you know, but we you got to ask yourself, we have a mental health issue, and yet we're going around telling ourselves that 
men can have babies, men can have their periods, and yet is is it any wonder we have a mental health? Listen, I'm not, and I'm not trying to belittle it. We live in a culture that says up is down and down is up and right is left, and and we all sit there. And these people that contemplate their navels just sit there nodding like, oh, yeah, that's really deep stuff. And it's a load of garbage. Yeah, and, you know, the the, the progressives and, and the Democrats that just want to take advantage of this for political reasons, they could care less. I mean, they, they won't go down there and console. There will not be a single politician go down there and console a family member unless there's a damn camera around. Yeah, I guarantee yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. But they but they keep talking about when they start talking about you know illegal gun purchases or 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 make it harder to buy guns, background checks, this and that. Look, eighty percent over eighty percent. This is not hearsay. I've looked at statistics from the FBI and from the uh, Bureau of Alcohol and Firearms. Just over 80% of all guns are purchased from someone who has a federal firearms license. All that stuff is required in order to buy a gun from those. You've bought guns before. Yep. I have to. Yep. It don't happen. Now, there is uh, those restrictions are not for private sales. Right. But this guy bought this gun legally. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the guy in Connecticut a few years ago, his, of course, his mom bought it for him, I believe. He was 20 years old, but I think his mom bought it for the guy at the uh, Sandy Hook shooting. Right. The guy in Buffalo bought it legally, as I read yeah. last week. Yeah. They, they want to they wanna squash private sales, or uh, the private sales would have to go through the same background checks. And that, that's a bill being pushed right now. It would have had no effect on the shooting down in uh, Uvalde, uh, Texas. Uh, Dana Lash asked some really good questions, and she says not a single politician is asking, one, how did this murder get into the school? And, I mean, I've heard some talking heads, but I haven't heard any politicians ask that question. Um, Two, what security did the school have, and how can we protect schools like uh, concerts, banks, museums, etc.? Where were his parents and the adults in his life? We just asked that. Uh, How did he buy the handgun? We found out it was legal. Did he pass the background check? Apparently he did. And again, as you just said, he had no history. Uh, and no one's asking, how come no one saw what was going on? You know, the other question, and I'm, I, I don't say this to lay blame anywhere, but, you know, I, I thought as President Biden was talking last night and, uh, you, know, he, you know, when he was being compassionate for the first 90 seconds, I thought, you're doing well, Joe. And then he then he blew up and started screaming at the camera, and you know something popped, and he just started screaming at the uh, gun lobby. But I thought to myself, Joe, you are all about, and all you've been talking about for the last month is how can we kill more babies? <laughs> yeah, how can we kill more babies? We've ki- killed sixty million of them since nineteen seventy three, and you want to make sure it continues. And then you get up, and I'm sorry, it is a death culture. Don't you cannot tell me that the influence of saying it is okay to kill human beings in the womb, and you've got idiots like Ralph Northam up in Virginia who comes out and says, "Well, you can deliver it on the table and then decide whether or not you're going to kill the baby," and you're going to tell me that that doesn't have any influence on the value of life in the eyes of an 18-year-old that doesn't really have a moral compass because his parents aren't there. I guarantee you it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, your buddy Charlie Hurt was on uh, Fox News this morning. Kudos to him. Uh, and, and listen, I've, there's been a number of people that have 
that have said the right things and have come out and said, look, you know, there's a spiritual vacuum in our country. There is a moral vacuum in our country. Uh, there is a need for prayer. There is a need for repentance. And God, and, and Charlie was one of them, by the way. I don't know if you heard him or not. But I he, didn't hear him, no. He did a, a great job on Fox News earlier today. And uh, you know what? I think, I think they're absolutely right. Um, it, it is a – it has very little to do with, with the gun itself. I mean, the guns have been around for decades and decades and decades. What, what has changed since the 1970s? Well, there's been a lot of things that have changed. And what has gotten progressively worse is the, our moral compass. It, 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 it doesn't exist. And uh, if 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 we're going to get if we're going to look, the, the bottom line is we've got to change the hearts of people, mm-hmm. not not making sure they don't have a weapon. This this nut, if he didn't have a, a gun, he, he would have done something to make himself. I, I don't know if he was looking for 30 seconds of fame or he was on drugs or uh, i mean maybe one day we'll we'll find out as they go through his background yeah i mean what what would he drove himself there he wrecked a i think a van or a sport pickup utility truck, pickup like, truck yeah. or something and and then went into the building so so what would have stopped him if his if his choice if his weapon of choice would have been that van or truck when school let out and you had all the kids in the street. Bingo. And you, well, and you go ra- back, and go you back ran to over, that parade. And you ran over 60 kids. Go go back to the parade. I mean, it's an issue, like you say, it's a spiritual issue. It's a mental health issue. And we, we've got to quit ignoring that that's not the underlying problem. Right. Exactly. Hey, we've got to take a time out. Stay with us. We've got a good program. We come back. We're going to be talking to Hans von Spakowski about uh, election integrity and some other issues I think you're going to find really interesting. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Ultra high inflation. And it's my top domestic priority. To ultra high cost of living. I know you gotta be frustrated. I can taste it. It pays to be ultra well informed. We're throwing money away like drunken sailors. I'm so pissed off. When you join the conversation, we're just printing more money, which adds to inflation, which destroys the American family. That makes me sick. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Hans von Spakowski is the senior legal fellow of the Heritage Foundation's Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, and he's the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative. He's with us now. Hans, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you with us. Well, thanks for having me back. Earlier this week, uh, you co-authored an article that appeared in the Daily Signal talking about ongoing election fraud issues uh, in that article. Uh, You stated that Heritage Election Fraud Database contains some 1,300 proven instances of election fraud, and that is a number that is rising. And uh, you say it's just a sampling, and you give some examples of it, but... uh, you know, everyone was saying after the 2020 election, okay, we need to get this straightened out. And we were told by a number of officials, oh, we're getting it straightened out. There's not going to be any issues. But it sounds from reading this article that you put out that uh, there are still some issues there. Well, there are. Um, I will tell you, I think things have actually vastly improved in a number of states uh, because many state election officials, um, And state legislators actually worked last year and also this year to uh, make changes 
to their election laws to reform and in, improve the security. Probably about two dozen states did that. Now, there are other states uh, like California and New York who, of course, didn't do anything. And in fact, their their election laws and procedures are so bad that it's easy to cheat in those places. But like I said, it's, it's improved in other states, uh, but, you know, fraud still happens. And yeah, we're up to uh, over 1,300 cases. It won't be too long before we reach 1,400. And look, we only we only put cases in our database of proven fraud. You know, there aren't any he said, she said claims in there. We only put it in if somebody's convicted in a court of law or a judge orders a new election. So uh, nobody can dispute that uh, this fraud actually happened in these cases. Well, when this happens and a, a judge at some level says, you know, you're guilty as charged, is there any significant punishment handed out that is going to change this behavior? Because, you know, you don't, I mean, as someone who follows the news pretty intensely, I, I don't see a lot of stories out about people going to jail for breaking the law in this manner. Well, that is a problem. In fact, you put your finger right on it. Uh, all, all too often, um, even in cases where uh, folks are found guilty, the courts let them off pretty easy. I mean, often, you know, they just say, well, a fine community service. They don't punish them the way uh, they should. In fact, uh, two of the guys that we put into our database were, were folks who voted illegally in two different states. They both voted in Florida, and then one of them voted in Connecticut, where he lives, and the other one also voted in Michigan, where he lives. Well, both of them were put into what they call diversion programs, you know, where they have to do certain things like community service, pass a remedial course in civics education. If they do all that successfully, guess what? Uh, The record of them committing fraud will be wiped off. Uh, and it won't be there anymore. But it sounds like the average person out there, if they think, hey, I might try this, I think I can get away with it, there isn't really any public examples of, no, you're going to get, you're going to knock down a few pegged if you you try this. Uh, It doesn't seem to be any incentive out there to, uh, and again, a lot of these situations, I'm assuming, of the 1,400, we're not talking about someone who is, trying to massively take away thousands of votes, but we're talking about someone, are are most of these 1,400 cases similar to what you described as someone trying to vote twice or two or three times? It's a wide variety. Many of the cases are just individual voters trying to take advantage of it, like registering and voting in two different states. But look, on the other hand, uh, we have cases in there uh, like, Remember, four years ago, North Carolina, you'll recall that a congressional race, the 9th Congressional District, was overturned right? uh, because of massive, widespread absentee ballot fraud organized by a political consultant and about half a dozen members of his staff. Yeah, McCray Dallas. Yeah, yeah, that was actually an organized effort to steal elections. we're following another case, which if there's a conviction, we'll put into our database, of a guy, a county commissioner, who was just indicted in Virginia on 82 counts of election fraud, uh, also plus embezzlement. And so 
That's clearly a case, along with uh, another individual. That's, again, clearly an organized case uh, of trying to steal an election, not just taking advantage of a hole in the system like one voter may do. You mentioned New York and, you know, just horrendous voter laws uh, on the books. Because that's such a liberal state and we have liberals in control of the state house, uh, is I mean, are they just saying, hey, you know what? We sort of like the results. I mean, I'm asking you to speculate here, but is it is it a partisan uh, issue that, hey, we don't want accountability because so far it's worked pretty well for us? I think it's a mixture. I think it is some people that are like that who want a system they can take advantage of. I think there are others who believe that lie that has been perpetrated out there that there's no election fraud ever we don't need to worry about it therefore you shouldn't put any rules in place uh new york for example is one of the states where there's no id requirement you don't have to show an id to vote and uh well i got news for you you don't have to show an id in north carolina either (laughs) well that's because of the foolishness unfortunately of of the courts there yes throwing the id law out and really have no valid reason doing that yeah yeah and hopefully that'll change with this upcoming election uh, hans this is benny uh i mean obviously we haven't studied this election stuff like you have but, but it was kind of pretty obvious in 2020 everybody was aware of so many problems and it and it was right. kind of created by you know gi- giving people more opportunities to vote uh, with mail-in ballots and uh, absentee uh, voting and that type of thing will we ever get back to a point you think where uh, you know, we ha- we really election day is more important and, and kind of limit how long ballots can come in without the other side just saying, hey, it's voter suppression. It seems like that's all they know how to do. Yeah, I think people are finally starting to realize that this stretching out of election day is not a good idea. Neither is um, trying to, to change elections to vote by mail. Look, nobody disputes that we ought to allow absentee ballots for people who are physically disabled and can't make it to the polls. But on the other hand, um, we don't want to encourage other folks who can make it to the polls to vote that way because it's the most insecure way of voting, and it's the easiest way to steal an election. And early voting, while folks may think it's convenient, look, if you vote four weeks before Election Day and information comes out about candidates right before election day you know what they always call the october surprise that a scandal or something like that that affects the choice you made hey too late you you already voted exactly speaking of that up in this pennsylvania race which again i mean is it incompetence from pennsylvania or is it I know it's only a primary, but last Friday, the third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that mail-in ballots without a required date on the return envelope must be allowed in the 2021 Pennsylvania um, County Judge race. Why are we having the courts once again stick their nose into something that, at least in North Carolina, it's, it's up to the legislature to make the rules and uh, it, I, I assume it would be like that in Pennsylvania. But again, why are we having a court well after the, the, the whole voting process and midstream? They're saying, hey, you know what? We're going to change the rules again. Because unfortunately, we have 
Look, there are some very good federal judges in the country, and unfortunately there are some very bad federal judges in the judiciary, uh, folks who don't pay attention to the law, who are, frankly, ideologues, who are more interested in, in particular policy outcomes, who are very partisan in what they do, and, and they make bad decisions. And those kind of decisions need to be appealed and get to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court needs to act to, to overturn those kind of bad decisions. Is there anything we can do to have the Supreme Court come out with something that has a little bit more um, blanket coverage so that we don't have this every time we go into an election? Well, we just have to keep pushing the court to do the right thing. You know, uh, Justice Thomas uh, wrote a terrific um, dissenting opinion uh, uh about this issue, particularly when the court, you'll recall, after the 2020 election, refused to take up another case out of Pennsylvania about this very issue. And Justice Thomas chided the majority of the court for allowing this to go forward without uh, them rendering a decision where they said uh, uh, folks can't have the ability to simply waive uh, a rule set by the state um, uh, legislature. And, you know, he said, we don't deal with this now. It's going to happen again in the future. And he was yep. 100% correct. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Is there anything major that needs to be done between now and November to, uh, that, that, I mean, any really big holes in the dike that we need to patch up before the November general election? Well, look, the biggest thing is states ought to have voter ID laws in place that apply to both in person and absentee balloting, and they need to try to clean up their voter rolls, find people who are registered in other states, take them off the rolls, find people who are dead, and take them off the rolls so somebody can't vote in their name, like two other cases we just added to our database. They need to do things like that to ensure the integrity of the election process. Hans, let me change uh, gears with you just for uh, a couple of minutes here before I let you go. Um, you were one of four authors that came out with a report entitled, just came out today, in fact, President Biden's Equity Action Plans Reveal Radical Divisive Agenda. Um, I'll just read a couple sentences from it. In April, the Biden administration announced a series of wide-ranging equity action plans across the federal bureaucracy a part of the unprecedented push for color-conscious policies that it has sought since President Joe Biden's first day in office. Um, you know, as, as I skimmed through your report, it basically looked like, one, what they're proposing is illegal, and two, basically they're trying to financially codify um, uh, our, our, um, what's, what's the uh, critical race theory. Uh, and, yeah. and interestingly, Black Lives Matter, uh, they came out and gave a sounding endorsement of uh, this policy by the uh, Biden-Harris uh, administration. What can you tell us about this? Well, in fact, the, the fact that BLM thinks it's a good idea tells you just how bad it is. In essence, um, the Biden executive order told every single department in the executive branch, from the Justice Department to the Department of Commerce, to come up with an equity plan. And the equity plan's objective was to make sure that government services, government money is distributed on an equitable basis. Well, that may sound good, but when you look into the details, 
what they're telling, for instance, the Department of Justice to do. When it's doing investigations and considering prosecutions or trying to figure out how much punishment it should ask for for a convicted individual or giving out millions of dollars in grants, is to consider the race and ethnicity of individuals to consider whether they live in what they call historically underserved communities, which means where you live <laughs> might affect whether you get federal money or whether yeah. you're prosecuted or not. It is, it is a recipe basically for a racial foil system to be implemented into the federal government. That's what it is. Hans, I'd like to ask you to get your theory on this. I've got mine, but um, you know, this whole CRT, equity versus equal protection under law, diversity, equity, right. inclusion, it it was like in corporate and institutional America. To me, I saw like it was a moment like in a, in a battle where someone, okay, when I fire this flare, roll out this plan <laughs> – because it just happened overnight with, with corporate and institutional America, every organization you can think of. Who do you think is behind this? Well, all you have to do is look at um, the huge amounts of money flowing into all these progressive organizations like the NAACP, the ACLU, uh, the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, and corporate America – is scared to death of those organizations. Um, and basically, when those organizations talk to them and say, you need to be doing this or that on racial issues, they immediately uh, bow down um, because the conservative world, regular Americans, you know, they don't engage, for example, in organized boycotts of companies and things like that. The left does, and corporate America bows, bows to them all the time. We've I mean, look at Walt Disney. Look, look at uh, Netflix. All, all of these companies that that are part of now the woke cancel culture is um, if if this now this is a an, an agenda, and I guess they're right now they're going through uh, getting feedback from the public. Uh, I, I'm I'm guessing as I look through, I just skim through your your uh, report. But how um, how close is this to actually becoming the law of the Mergs and the Pigeon, uh, the, the Medes and the Persians? I think this will be in place uh, for a month before the November elections. They want this in place as soon as possible. They also want it in place as soon as possible because they're afraid of um, Republicans winning and taking over Congress and then perhaps acting to try to stop funding and appropriation for these kind of activities at government departments. So I can guarantee you they're going to move as fast as possible to get these plans up and running. So this equity action plan does not need congressional uh, approval? Well, they don't think it does. Uh, They think they can do it within the appropriations they have. I'm not sure that's correct. Uh, but when has the Biden administration ever allowed the law to stop what they yeah, are doing? Exactly. Uh, Obama 2.0. Uh, yeah. Hans von Spakowski, thank you, sir. Always interesting to talk to you. And uh, thank you for all the work you do at the Heritage Foundation. And thank you for the Heritage Foundation. I, we'd be in, in, in a much worse place than we are right now as a nation if it wasn't for the work you all do. Thank you so much, sir. 
Well, thanks for having me. You bet. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Our thanks to uh, Hans von Spakowski for spending a few minutes with us. Uh, first segment, we were talking about what happened down in Texas. I did want to return to this. We just mentioned it in passing at the beginning of the program. A number of media outlets are reporting that the perpetual loser Beto O'Rourke, Francis Beto O'Rourke, who is a candidate now running for the governor of Texas. Robert Francis O'Rourke. Anyway, Francis. <laughs> Sounds like a guy that would get a wedgie, doesn't he? <laughs> he, he needs to get a wedgie. And, and, then, and that wedgie needs to be so strong that he starts singing. An Here's octave. Johnny. <laughs> a few octaves higher. <laughs> um, so they are having a press conference in Texas trying to keep – some sense of uh, order and trying to put a salve on just a horrendous situation, trying to calm the people, reach out to the people, minister to the people. And this horse's rear end, Robert Francis O'Rourke, shows up, crashes the press conference, Storming toward the stage where Abbott and local state authorities were assembled, O'Rourke shamelessly and disgustingly tried to take advantage of the tragedy in some demented attempt to politicize the horror being felt in the community and get a clip of himself as some sort of a tough guy. Ted Cruz told O'Rourke to sit down. People in attendance could be heard shouting for O'Rourke to go home. The Democrat candidate for governor was condemned by Uvalde, Mayor Don McLaughlin, sir, you're out of line, he said. He repeated, please leave the auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch who would come to a deal like this to make it a political issue. Good for the mayor. Yeah. How about what O'Rourke said to him? I didn't hear that. Well, the audio was sort of muffled. He said, F your prayers. Was that O'Rourke that said that? Yeah. That's what I read. Now, I did hear that there was another... Um, I was under pressure. It was O'Rourke from what I read. But maybe, I, maybe. I, I, I did hear that there was another uh, uh, congressman that apparently had said... I believe the, the other person that said that said that last night. But um, hmm. the fact that anybody would say that... You know... It, he, he's running for office again, right? He's running oh, yeah. for something again, in Texas. Yeah. He's running and, for governor. That's right. He yeah. ran for senator against, senate against uh, Ted Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. But, Perpetual I, loser. I'm so tired of hearing this guy. I mean, and this guy is the prototypical and, – and, and look, there's some Republicans like this, but there's a lot of progressive Democrats like this. Prototypical guy that was born on second base, married to third base, oh, and yeah. has stood still – his whole life on third base and wants to get up and be self-righteous about every issue and then say that we should elect you for something. Yeah. 
I mean, this guy, I mean, how could someone constantly be running for some office with no means of support? It's called a trust fund. Yeah. That's what it's called. Uh, no, what you're talking about, Uvalde, Texas school shooting, Democrats demand gun control, curse Republicans after your prayers. Democrats rushed to capitalize on the message at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas on Tuesday to demand gun control measures and attack Republicans. Um, well, heard, this is Ruben uh, Gallego, Democrat hmm. from Arizona. F your prayers. They haven't worked for the last 20 mass shootings. How about passing laws that will stop these killings? Um, and again, so we, we're going to pass this magical law that all, all, all evil people will suddenly become good. Because that's the issue. That is the issue. There is, and, and they don't like the idea that, that, that someone would come out and say, look, there is evil in this world. And there is evil in this world. I guess ultimately, um, man cannot cure himself. I mean, the, the whole humanist philosophy, which all these people you know, love and breathe and eat and drink, basically says that man is... It, man is good, and we can we can figure out all these issues, and uh, and we can do it all apart from God. We can do it all apart from any any type of faith, any from Christianity or anything else. And uh, they don't they don't like that. They don't want to be told that. Well, I always want to ask you know one of these progressives that so we got to pass we got to pass some legislation. Okay, what is it? Give give it to me. What what is it? Tell me what you yeah. want to pass. Thank you. And all the time that they yell and scream with no solutions. How about? How, how about some federal money to go and, and make schools safe from a standpoint of, hey, it's hard to get in. <laughs> hard, yeah. hard to get in. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, unfortunately, I hate to say it. I mean, you go around the country, and it's pretty easy for anyone to get into school. I mean, it just is, particularly if you got a gun. We got to take another time out and we come back, though, that there is all kinds of COVID relief money that instead of going to securing something good that we'd all agree on, securing schools that aren't secure right now. You know, I know the yeah. schools that my grandkids go to, it's pretty secure. You can't get in and out. You cannot waltz in and out of there. And, and when you see what happened in Texas, you say, good, that's exactly what we need. But all kinds of money that Joe Biden could have earmarked or spent on something like securing the schools, you won't believe the things that he is spending the extra COVID money on. We'll have that when we get back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. You know, when we were talking to Hans von Spakowski about this uh, equity deal, the equity action plan that the Bidens uh, and the uh, Biden-Harris want to put into uh, practice, Vice President Kamala Harris um, made the administration's view on equity perfectly clear when she said as a candidate, quote, there's a big difference between equity, uh, between equality and equity. Equitable treatment means we all end up in the same place. So they're pushing this equity. So here's my question to Kamala. You make $235,100 a year. That's your salary. Mm-hmm. The average American makes 67500 Why are you making three times, almost four times as much as the average American? That's a good question. <clears throat> Why does she need to make that? Yeah. She didn't need to make that. Why? Yeah. Yeah. I bet she won't be asked by the press next time she gets in front of a camera. So President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, known as the American Rescue Plan, which 
the Democrats passed in March of 2021 with zero Republican support was billed as the Democratic Party an economic necessity for getting the country through COVID-19 pandemic. Listen to some of the things that that money is now going to. For instance, $499,000 went to the University of Montana for multiple programs on racial justice, including public lecture series on racial justice, death, and um, indigenous knowledge. Another 50000 of the funds went to a nonprofit in northern, uh, the Northern Mariana Islands, calling for 500 sales of the reopening of a program that teaches indigenous canoe building. Uh, they awarded 471000 to the Carnegie Institute in Pittsburgh for ongoing development of an existing exhibit on ancient Egypt after the museum had already received $5.8 million in PPP loans. A science history institute in Philadelphia was awarded $350,000 to create a multi-platform project exploring the historical roots and persistent legacies of racism in American science and medicine. This is the same thing that Hans was talking about. COVID relief. This is COVID relief relief money. This is after they had $1.2 million in PPP funds. $200,000 went to Chicago Humanities Festival to create six humanities programs on racial justice, gender equality, and building an exclusive society. A whopping $3.5 million was awarded to a nonprofit American Council of Learned Societies for a grant program providing relief funds to colleges and universities across the country addressing racial equity, climate change, international relations, pandemic recovery, and strengthening democracy. Through that program, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County received a grant for its public humanities program that advances social justice issues focused on three core tracks, public information, racial equity, and food and land justice. That's what you got out of the American Rescue Plan. And that's why you should question the uh, Ukraine aid bill because there's Bingo. nine or ten billion dollars with no strings attached. Bingo. Keep praying for uh, Uvalde, Texas. Uh, pray for our nation. We'll see you tomorrow at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.